0: Hi, I'm Hillary, and welcome to another week of Black This week, we are speaking with Dee Hernandez, an R&B singer, nominated for an East Coast Music Award, biz- business owner, wonderful human being, who I'm so excited to be speaking with today. As always, remember to like, comment, subscribe, rate Black as you're listening, and uh, I'll do my favorite part and play the little intro. <laughs> I feel like I need to ask if our intro was okay since you're a musician.
1: (laughs) Yes, good. Yes, good. Thank you. How are you? Good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm excited to have you on because then I get to do a shameless plug that we just spoke on CBC. Yes. So about your family now. Yes. Part of the family. Um, so yeah, if you are listening to this on black Atlantic and are interested, um, if you Google search information morning, D Hernandez, you will find uh, probably an eight minute, audio clip of us talking about your business that is opening soon, Havana Lounge, yes. um, but we will get to that shortly because obviously if you haven't listened to that CBC clip, then you you don't know everything about tea and you don't know everything that I know. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll back it up um, because you're our first guest from Cuba. There's um, some lovely people from Dominican Republic on the show and okay. other other places down south, but no yes. one from Cuba. Well, um, I, like the, I love the fact that I'm the first one. I like that thank you every once in a while we have a couple first which is pretty good last week week was our first first black person from newfoundland and we often get asked are there even black people there Hmm. so it was nice to have um some some black newfie representation yes i guess Um, yes and so now some cuban representation yes thank you so much um for anyone who who doesn't know anything about cuba or maybe has misconceptions has just heard about it through the news tell us a little bit about what your upbringing was like there
1: well I mean I had a childhood just like most people but it, it is a little different in in if we compare the life as a child here in in Cuba back back home you know it um we played outside a lot because we had the weather to do so I mean I, as we know I some of you know I live in northern New Brunswick so the weather can be quite harsh up here, but you know, we played outside and we did a lot of um, community kind of uh, relationship that we had as kids, you know? And uh, I, I did have a, a beautiful childhood. I had a, a family who um, who was very musical, even though nobody actually went to music school, but um, we tend to, my family tend to sing Whenever things got tough, that's when they sang the most. So often we would, you know, lose power. Um, they would do like a running blackouts in Cuba, and a lot of times that was the time that my family started singing. And you have every neighbor in our building. I lived in a building, um, and every neighbor would come, and we would basically gather in my house underneath candlelights and and sing. So that, those are the kind of memories I have. Uh, in Cuba. I also had a tough childhood. You know, Cuba is quite poor um, and is under a, a communist regime. So a lot of people, you know, it's the first question, you're from Cuba, what are you doing here? And my answer is uh, freedom. <laughs> freedom, food, good shoes, uh, freedom of speech, you know. And those are the you know the little things that we take for granted a lot of times because you know to say I don't like the way that my country is run, is being run is is a crime you know to play a song that I that says something put it, uh, political against the uh, the regime that is in place it's a bad thing to do so you end up in jail and and so things like that so I I I, I grew up. Only knowing what I was told, uh, in the sense of the political part of it, that aspect. But at the same time, I grew up in a country where people loved each other. Community is a huge deal. Um, your, your neighbors are your family. Your, your family is more than family. Your, you have more than one mother, you know, because everybody in your family is your mother as long as they're a female. You know, so things like that, and then um, I found out uh, that I love to sing, and the way that it made me feel. Excuse me, I have a dog. I have hair all over me. <laughs> um, I found out very quickly that I that a lot of times, whenever things seem hard, in the sense of um, living in a country where you know food was very scarce at the time, the '90s was extremely hard in Cuba. Or when you know, sometimes you didn't have the things that um, some people take for granted here, right? Like toothpaste and you know, toilet paper, just the basic necessities. I would sing, and it it would make me feel so free. So I started singing, and it just became it became my identity, and I just ran with it, you know. So I, I sang in every event I could. I could. I could you know, I could get myself in there to sing. And I, I was able to uh, sing for my community. I sang for events. I I sang when I was sad at home. I sang under the shower. Um, and then eventually I, I was able to get into a music school um, after singing for the president at the time. Um, I sang a lot of Nueva Trova songs, which is Basically, songs that talk, tell about stories, about people and situations and so on, a lot of times they they tend to be um, communist-inclined songs, but as a kid, that's that's all you know, that's what you sing. And, um, and once I was able to get accepted into the school, I would have to commute hours and a bus to get home. To get to the school, and a lot of times the the bus will be so congested with people, you will be like hanging out from the door, the doors of the bus open, and you're just hanging on for your dear life to give to one thing to another. So you know what you see on resorts is not Cuba. What you see, uh, a lot of people say, oh, I've been in Havana. When you walk that street of Havana that they take you to, that's not Cuba. Cuba is found. And the places that they you, you usually don't go to, what we want to call the hood or whatever, that's Cuba. Um, so to to find myself, it's funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little deep here, <laughs> but this is who I am.
0: We welcome so, deep on the show. Don't worry. <laughs> thank
1: you, thank you. So here I was a kid, and we had a bus was called the Camo, the Camello. At that time, I don't think they have it anymore. And the reason why they called it that is because the shape of the bus was like a camel. And so it would go up up here, and then it would be a middle level, and then would be a higher level on the other side. And I lived really close to the airport back home. So, you know, when we talk about manifesting, some people talk about manifesting, and some people say, you know, creating your dreams. I do remember, as a very young child, you know, getting on that bus and always making sure that the window was always facing the airport window because I always found myself flying. You know, I would, my dream was to, my my voice to be heard elsewhere, not only home, elsewhere. Um, and somehow I found myself doing that at 13 years old. You know, I, I was, um, after singing for, for for the uh medicine uh, comp- um, oh my gosh i can't speak right now i was speaking spanish before i started talking to you so i'm having a hard time here
0: so well, me me <sighs> when i have to go from french to chiac to english it's like oh my wow like my brain
1: is having a hard time right now but it's okay <laughs> <laughs> and uh After singing, I sang for the Convention for Medicine, International Convention of Medicine. There were countries from all over the world who came to Cuba and congregate and talk about medicine and all that stuff. And um, after singing for that, I was placed into this band. They were all children. And uh, they were all from a music conservatory. And we traveled to the International Festival of Arts in Metepec, in Mexico. And that was my first time in a plane. So I remember sitting there and said, "Man, I manifested what I wanted," (laughs) you know, just to be able to be heard elsewhere. And then I went to Mexico and I realized my life in Cuba has, and even though a lot of people have a lot a lot of opinions about Mexico, my life in Cuba and my life in Mexico they were completely different. Those fifteen days were so different. Um. There were a lot of people. There were a lot of vehicles. Even though Cuba has a lot of vehicles, but the amount of vehicles that I saw, that was a big difference to see something like that. To see that you know that some people had so much, right, and so people had so little. And even though we have that in Cuba, it's not to the extent that I saw as a thirteen-year-old uh, out of my country on the first in the, in the first time. And to be completely honest, the amount of food was unreal. <laughs> so, uh, as a thirteen-year-old, if you have any children who are teenagers, or if you're a teenager yourself, you know you eat. So it was nice. It was nice to see that much food. That's sad, but true. And um, and going back home after those fifteen days, there was something awakened in me. There was something longing. I knew I was longing for more when I was home. When I lived home, I had my family, and uh, you know I had music but there was something that wasn't enough. I still felt somewhat trapped. Um, And uh, I wanted a a better life. And I, I did somewhat found out that my voice might be the way of my better life, right? So here I am, 13 years old, and then I'm back home and I'm touring all a few places in Cuba that I never thought I was able to even get to. With a band of young kids, and then I started playing with older bands that my mother used to listen to back in her day, and then they accepted me as the singer. And here I am, a kid, because I was a kid, working and playing with adults. <laughs> um, so that was an experience on its own, uh, to be exposed to you know the nightlife and um, that a lot of musicians tend to experience later on in their life. I was experiencing already at fourteen years old 13 years old so I grew up fairly quickly to say I the least. I can imagine yeah yes, I grew up quickly. and uh, then I came to Canada I was 14 just right before I was turning 15 and it was to tour with Los Primos which was a Cuba Canada uh, exchange uh, mm-hmm. that they had they still run this program um, the people who run it I believe are in Nova Scotia Um, and what they do they actually provide instruments to a lot of schools in the conservatory of music in Cuba as for example myself um, usually you start a conservatory of music at at seven years old if you're accepted I was never accepted before I lived extremely far from the school I had no connections because connections are a big deal, not only in my country, but everywhere. So if you know somebody that knows somebody, even though you're talented, sometimes that other person might take your place because they are talented as well, but they're better connected. So I couldn't get into the music school, but eventually because of the things that I've done and what they they did believe in 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 my talent, they say, okay, we need to have this girl to sing. And I get to the music school and I didn't have an instrument and it was expected for you, to, you know, to study in order to be a good musician, everything takes practice. You're not just talented. It takes practice to get better at what you do. So all of a sudden I found myself playing piano. I never had a piano in my life. Didn't even know what to do with my fingers when I you know found myself there. I'm in a, a school full of musicians because they were all, most of them musicians when they were seven years old. Here I am 13, 12 years old, trying to catch up with the rest of them, um, so I found myself in the conservatory of music, you know, playing corcheros and playing sonatas, and I didn't even know what this was. So that on its own was a huge experience. And then the second tour came along, and I came to Canada again, and we did a tour in the East Coast, and that was so cool. I remember coming back home in Cuba, and I didn't know how to. Exp- is you're in a in, a, in a, you're in a, in a shock. Because they were just everything is so different, not only the language, not only the way that people people looked, not only the fact the way that you were dressed, um, a lot of times, or the amount of shows you would have in one day, and there were just so many positive experiences at once that it was hard to even remember each one of them to tell my family, you know, what I had experienced at the time. All I knew was that I have to do that again, over and over and over and over and over, right? So, living in Cuba was—it was basically a, a, a road to to self discovery, you know. You, I, I, this always I felt like I I needed more than I was given and I had, and I also knew that I wanted when I was able to sing and, and experience music, that I wanted to do that not only home, but everywhere else I could. And I wanted to share what I did. But as a kid, you don't write music, at least not myself, I wish I was. I wish I was writing music when I was a kid, but I, I never had the guts to do so, or even um, the self-love and um, belief in myself to say, hey, you can write a song at 13 years old. So that's fine. Things happen at the time that it's supposed to. So um I feel like I'm rambling a lot in my rambling because
0: yeah no I mean you, no. you've <laughs> answered several of the questions that I had which is amazing um you're making my job really easy because you're a natural storyteller and so am I so that's why I can already tell we get along. um I relate to a lot of what you said funny yep. enough I was always obsessed with watching planes when they would go over mm-hmm. there was always something in me that said that like you need to be on one and you need to be away from here and for me like yeah. Moncton was a very traumatic place and I dislike it deep down inside but I also still love it because it's home yes. Yes. Um, but I feel like I manifested that as well but I just always like I would stop and I would try to squint and see what plane it was like was it Air Canada is it port or is it another one to try to just be and exist elsewhere and so um, for me that was always a really big big thing as well Right, it's such an interesting, like life, like childhood and experience. And I can't imagine being so young and working with adults. Like not only that growing up experience, but being so talented to work with such amazing people oh with gosh, such wonderful you. careers. Like that has to be such a wild experience. Especially like I can't imagine. Like for me, that would be the equivalent of like singing with Tina Turner. Like that's my mom's <laughs> person. And so for you to say that like I was singing wow. with people that my mom listened to, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. It was like
1: it was called La Banda Meteoros. And for anybody who's actually Cuban, they would know who I'm talking about. Yeah. So they were almost like a band that they no longer were super popular, but they were at some point. But sure. they they decided, hey, let's put this band together again. And they chose me. So, you know, I'm a mother of teenagers. So now looking at that, I can't imagine <laughs> I can't imagine letting my kid doing that. But I love I loved every moment of what I did. And I yeah. think I'm glad that my my family had the trusting me mm-hmm. of knowing that the things that I did and the late nights and the, you know, there were a lot of times it were even dangerous, right? Because you're, right. it's not like here, you, you took a taxi, we have money, you, it, not saying that everybody has money, but there are some basic needs that some, a lot of us have, even though some people don't have them here, right. but in Cuba, everybody is almost in that same boat. Right. So, um, that it would sometimes allow you to make things easier, but when you're a kid at that age and you're taking, you know, a taxi in the middle of the night to three o'clock in the morning and you're trying to get, I lived in a very remote area. So, even to get home, it was it was tough. So I can't imagine my allowing my child to to go through that. But as I said, I am very thankful that they had the trusting me to do that because I don't think I'll be a, I would be a happy person if I didn't pursue what I wanted to pursue, you know. And it's funny how you said that you used to watch the airplanes, and and that's what I did. It was just I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with the star. I I talked as a kid. I talked yeah. to a star, and I told them all my my secrets. You know, I I want to sing here, and I want to sing there, and you know, I want to sing this kind of music, and I want to sing. And I always have this thing about R&B, and I know they call me an R&B singer, but I love jazz. I'm 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 just a singer, you know, and whatever comes out of my 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 vocals, that's what it is. It's just a sound, and I love jazz. I love R&B, and back home, that was not an option, right? Because you obviously sing Cuban music, but I always like to put a little bit of whatever I heard in the radio of r or soul music, I always try to like throw it in there. Um, and maybe, maybe that's what made me unique at the time, you know, because now you listen to a lot of Cuban music and it has that influence in there. It has that hip hop influence, it has, Although jazz was always influenced in, in a lot of Cuban music. But um so it was, it was uh it was an interesting thing even for me um as a kid, knowing that I wanted something else, but unable to vocalize it, it just just go for it and just do it, you know. And also I think when you're a kid, you you think you're invincible, right? You're a superhero, yes. nothing bad could ever happen to you. Um So a lot of times I say, you know what? Maybe the experiences of being out and about late at night as a kid, you know, with adults gave me a little bit of emo or, or experience. So when I came to Canada at that age, I would make sure look at the, look at the bad and the good, right? Like Mm -hmm. pay attention to the things, your surroundings, who you're around, what you're doing, um, so maybe that was like a prepping. Cuba was like my my prep work in order to do my new life in Canada as a 15-year-old. I and when I, it, it never crossed my mind any type of failure. Wow. Right? Like when I said, when I said, you know what, I'm gonna stay here, excuse me, I never thought, it never crossed my mind once. Okay. What if this doesn't work? Or what if that? What if that we put as adults on our on ourselves? A lot of times we, you know, we say, okay, we're gonna do this, but what about if this doesn't work? What if it's not it's not accepted by those ones who are you doing this for? Or that never crossed my mind, and I think that's what made it so positive because I really did have a beautiful positive transition to Canada.
0: That's amazing and in the
1: sense of. Yeah, in a sense of like um, personally, immigration right. was another story.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> great segue. Well, because I am curious in terms of like uh, having heard your story before, like the the partnership and 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 getting to tour in Canada, but then making that big leap to actually call Canada home. What was that experience like? If you want to share, it was scary. Um, yeah, I can imagine. It was yeah.
1: scary because. They, you When you're making a decision like that, coming from a country where I come from,
0: mm-hmm. there are
1: many things. So I'm linked to a government program. Like there's a government always, the government always has its hands on everything. It's right. either music or everything, right? His hands, their hands are in it. So what I knew I wanted to stay here. First of all, I did the East Coast tour with that band um, and I felt blessed to have that opportunity. Um, but the the people that went to see the band and went to see us loved what we did. We were not speaking in English. We were not playing in English. We were in English music. We, we were playing jazz. We were playing traditional Cuban music as well. Um, now, the, most of the musicians in the band were little prodigies too, right? So that makes it really easy for people to love what we were doing. Um, but that, I knew that in my head, I said, I, I can do this without having to live in Cuba. This is my opportunity to first of all, get a better life. Um, and so diminish my struggles as a, as a person and have my basic needs met Um, and also have the opportunity to have a music career, right? Like I think I told you when we first spoke, I came to Canada and said, I'm going to be as big as Michael Jackson, right? That didn't happen, but in my brain, it was very possible. So the session was scary because I was scared for the implications of that decision for my family in Cuba, the relationship between myself and my family as well for making that decision. Um, My, you know, my relationship with my grandfather was the man that raised me as well because he was a communist man who I loved very much. So I was afraid of, of those things too. I was afraid of what happened to me as well. What if the government of Canada says no, you cannot stay here. If I go back home, I no longer have even access to a music school again. And then, by many peers and people that said that loved me, or enjoyed me, or liked me, they might not longer look at me in those in that kind of light. So I was afraid. I also was um, made to believe that my life was going to be a huge struggle. But life is supposed to have struggles. If you don't experience the struggles, then you don't experience any teachings and you don't learn anything. So, you know, I, was, I remember somebody said to me, what are you going to do in Canada now? Are you Are going to work as a waitress? Well, you know what? If I work as a waitress, I will get paid for it. <laughs> that's the difference. So, you know, that is an, that I, that's the choice I made to be a waitress. Then I'll get paid for the work and the choice that I've made. That's a choice that I've made. Nobody made it for me. So that's what made a big difference. So it was scary. It was um, when I first, I said to a friend, I wanted to stay here. Then he said, okay, no problem. That was from Halifax. They picked me up in Halifax and brought me to St. John. And in St. John, I hid the whole weekend because immigration at that time had an office in St. John and they were not opening until Tuesday. So I was literally afraid that somebody would come and grab me and try to force me to go back home. So that's when I said it was scary, right? Yes, Uh,
0: understood. (laughs) uh,
1: There was a government official with us the whole time as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I was afraid of. And, you know, it could very well have happened. So I hid the whole time and then I called my family and told them what I wanted to do. And I begged them to not want to return me because I was a minor. So technically, right. if my family would have said, I want my son or my daughter back, excuse me, they would need to send me back home. So I begged them and I said, you know, I I want, I know this is what's right for me. I feel it. I will be okay. So my mother trusted me and my grandfather cried and everybody cried when they say, you know, if this is what you want to do. You, you got to do what you got to do. Just you know, make the right decisions, be careful who you're around, you know, don't be walking in the streets by yourself on a sidewalk. You know, my mom always said, if you walk in the street, you know, at night walk in the middle of the street, don't walk on the sidewalk. So just little things like that, that kind of helped me all along, Mm -hmm. but uh, it was extremely scary. But I also have to say that I have met people Along the way, and as many many families and many many people, who were willing to help me, who gave me a plate of food, who gave me warm clothing, who tried to guide me in the best of their in the best of their ability. So I definitely didn't do this alone. And I know also, not to get all spiritual and stuff, but I know my ancestors are there with me all along the way. So there was no, I had a lot of help.
0: It and takes a village. So, but,
1: yes, but I have faith, and I think it. I think that made a huge difference. I believe that things were going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I never had doubts of any way, shape, or form. Of course, there was fear, but I didn't allow fear to overtake. Uh, right. The hopes that I was having for myself.
0: Absolutely. So, and sense. of course, it sounds to me from everything I've heard that all, all of these hopes and all of the people who helped you clearly successful. So as we've mentioned, your East Coast Music Award nominated this year um, and you are opening a new business, um, Havana Lounge in Dalhousie, where through all the many places, that is where you now call home, which is very exciting. Um, tell us a little bit about the feeling of being East Coast Music Award nominated. Um, and also like if you'd like to, after that, talk about, Havana Lounge, and a little bit of the conversation we already got to have, so I already know all about it. Um, oh, but yeah. yeah, tell our listeners a bit about both of these wonderful things going on this year.
1: Well, to be honest, I'm still... Like, I, I put it on my Facebook and on my Instagram and on my social media and my website and everything. I talk about, like, I put the banner, it's Coast, you know, ECMA nominated. But I'm honestly, I'm still... It hasn't... It hasn't sunk in yet, because... Um you come to when you come to a place, to a, a place that you call home again. I've been 23 years in Canada. So I've lived longer in Canada than I lived in Cuba. I've been 19 years in, in, in New Brunswick. That's longer than I lived in Cuba, right? And as a musician, I've created, I think I've created my own sound. I'm very unique and I know that. Um, so to be First of all, to be looked as part of the musician community in New Brunswick is a big deal to me because you get recognition. And I know that we don't need rec- we talk like you know we don't need recognition. Yes, we do, because you are contributing to a cultural status in this province. You are contributed to the richness of of uh, the musical richness of a province. So then, um, I remember I wasn't going to even. Uh, I was shocked to be honest that I got the ECMA. You know, I is I was hoping for it, but I was very, I was very open to, you know, if, if it happens, happen. If it doesn't, doesn't, that's fine. And I remember listening, they were talking about the nominees, and I was doing a lot of paperwork on my computer um for applications for different festivals and so on. And I remember it was a live that they had, and and they were they were playing the live and they went through the jazz category. And to be honest, I thought that that was my category <laughs> because the song that was submitted is very jazzy, even though it has that r and influence. It's, you know, it's very Cuban, very jazzy. And the, and I just heard all the nominees and my name wasn't on it. So I was like, OK, well, you know what? That's fine. I continue doing my work. And all of a sudden I heard r and soul, da, da, da. And they say the name. And I heard my name. And my daughter, who's four years old, said, Mommy, I heard your name. I said, yes, you did. So I started freaking out. So it was, it's its such an honor. You know, it, it's, it's, it was, it's, I'm, I'm getting chills. It's unbelievable still to me. Um, And I, I feel so grateful because the, the people who are involved in this project, they are involved because they love playing with me. They love playing my music and they enjoy everything that we do together and that, on its own, too. It's not just a recognition to me. It's recognition to those that played on this project, you know. Um, that um, that I heard my songs very stripped down. They're like, I'd love to be part of that. So um, it's 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 a beautiful experience so far, and I can't wait until May arrives. I I have been very busy with my. I have a stylist who got a hold of me, Lorraine Peters, and she's been so busy trying to make sure this girl looks good, because that's important. <laughs> so um, I'm just talking in little by little all the great uh, the great things that come along with that. And um, when I moved, my husband is from the housey. He was not living in the housey, but I remember coming to the housey and just having that feeling It's a beautiful place. The second you get here, you get up into a mountain, and then all you see is water. And it reminds me of home because as a kid, my parents would be like, okay, we're going to the beach. And going to the beach where I was from, it was like a big old deal. You got to get in the bus, and everybody takes food with them for the whole day and drinks. So it kind of made me feel that way. You know, like I got to the top of the hill, and I remember as a kid seeing the water, I said, we are here. So that's the feeling that I got when I came to the house for the first time years passed and I said to him you know an offer was given to him for work and financially it made sense and here we are um, and I thought wouldn't it be cool if we had a place where we could hang <laughs> go and have a Cuban coffee you know because there's not a lot going on, even though there's such a beautiful community and beautiful people, and beautiful c- scenery, but there's not a lot going on in Northern New Brunswick. I said, wouldn't it be cool if we had a place where I can play, where people, uh, no, really, that's how it started. <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if I could play in a place that is mine? <laughs> and then wouldn't it be cool if I made beautiful relationship and then people would come and play here too? Wouldn't it be cool if, my, if I, taught dancing again because I used to teach Latin dance in St. John and in Toronto when I lived there. And it just I said, why wouldn't it? It will be cool because that's what I want to do. That's what we're going to do, hon. And he's like, okay, sure. And it was just that easy. Let's just get it done. And uh, you know, I I spoke to a few people on how to open a business because I don't have that background. So um, I spoke about it with a few people and what I needed to do and this and that. We're like, you know what? Let's just do One day at a time, we use our own money, we'll figure it out. Um, And uh, at least we'll have a place where the arts are going to be enjoyed. And and as I said it before, this is very selfish. I love the community, but this is started with me wanting a place. For me, a place where people have the same, not the same mindset, but a like mindset. People who are open to arts, open to any kind of culture, Open to any kind of music and having a good cup of coffee, a good one, like a strong that one
0: that just hits you in the gut. That's what I need. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's I think that's wonderful because I think that there's I mean there's a a a deep seated history of New Brunswick having you know wonderful immigrants come and and. Mm there aren't a lot of safe spaces for them to share their culture. And if they do, they mm-hmm. share it within other members of their community. And it's part of the reason why I want to have you on the CBC feature, and it made sense to have you on Black Atlantic as well, is that like the willingness to share, not just with your own community, mm-hmm. but outside mm-hmm. of that, with the white community that is there, with the other yes. black community that is there because yes. multiple cult. C- multicultural sharing is beneficial mm-hmm. to everyone in society and i think that that's amazing yeah. and I, I remember you mentioning that you wanted to have like astrology nights other bands play yes. there's the cuban coffee like you yes. you've got a list of things the latin dancing like it's mm-hmm. gonna be popping off it's at be the <laughs> yeah it's, it's gonna, gonna be the place, place. <laughs> yes it's gonna be the place
1: i i love the fact that we have all we have we have people in this community who had, from the moment I said, COVID happened, right? And then all of a sudden things started opening up in, in March, I think it was. And I just posted, I am going to teach some Latin dance lessons um, for women only, because I find we do so much, because we do, we do so much, at least myself as a, as a, Parents, that's how I see it. We do so much. We do things at home. We do things for other people. We do things for family. We create the world. We, you know, procreate and keep populating the world. We need a place for us. So I thought this dance classes is going to be for women to get away from home. detach yourself from being a wife, a girlfriend, all that stuff. And come and dance. Sweat a little dance something that you probably didn't dance in the past because, you know, because where you live and because the opportunity was never there for you. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I might need to do some advertising, maybe on the radio. That place was full. Cool. And it's all, we live in, a I live in a community where it's all word of mouth, right? Like a lot of people still don't even, don't they don't have websites for their, businesses, honestly, because... No, I'm saying no Facebook. Talk, <laughs> they talk, and then all the a sudden, it's like, you know, they know everything already, and that's beautiful. So I found it was very complimentary to me, and it was a, a beautiful gesture to find all these women who decided to come and then share with their friends, you need to go um, to, you know, these dance lessons. So if I, had, I thought if I had that kind of support, I have to somehow give back, and also... A lot of times when you find racial differences and people are acting in some kind of ways because they've never been exposed to it. So why do we separate ourselves when we're supposed to be united? <laughs> we, we, need to, we need to show each other what we know, what we experience, and, and then show me how that's done. How, how do you do this? And I'll show you how I do this. And maybe we'll find a common ground and together we, we kind of mix it together and it's beautiful. Right. So that that's what I want. I want a place where not only can I showcase my 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 culture, but I want people to bring their culture into the place as well. And I want people from the community who also bring a, a, a strong part of the culture and they and they have a lot of uh, things rooted from day one from, you know, in the community, bring it into into Havana Lounge. Um and yeah, for example, the astrology, I, I, the modern astrology is awesome. Self-care, yeah. self-guidance, mm-hmm. believing in yourself, because we, I find a lot of times the reason why we struggle as people a lot of times is because we somehow like disconnect ourselves from ourselves, yeah. if that even makes sense, right? You're just always looking for something to help you when you are the one who can help yourself. And I find modern astrology has helped a lot of people finding mm-hmm. themselves, so I want a place where creation happens. And that's really why I want to have an, an lounge.
0: That's amazing. Super exciting. Um, so yeah, this summer, right? Yeah. It'll be opening its doors. Yes. Amazing. Perfect. Yes. I'll try to be yes. there. My plans have changed and I'm coming sooner yes. than I thought. So I should <laughs> be able to yeah, drag yeah. Clinton out of Dorchester and we'll we'll go to Talhousie. Um, but I did want to touch on something you were just saying about like the the racial differences and um just that sort of exposure because I did find it really interesting um, when we were doing the CBC conversation right beforehand, you had sort of mentioned briefly that idea that like, thank you for having me on because I'm, I'm a little tired of having to check the box between Latin or Black and I don't, to me, it had never crossed my mind at all Um, and, and I don't know, if it was just because I had seen your business listed on the Black Lives Matter website and I was like, Black business, woman name. I think this is a great sounding business. I want to learn more cool. And then when you said that, I was like, oh, I guess. Like, I hadn't thought of that. And I'm also curious um, how, because you've mentioned Dalhousie being lovely once you got there in the sense of, of, you know, the landscape being the same. But I'm curious, like, if people there because i i don't know that i've ever even really been and i would perceive it what i know from new brunswick to be white and so maybe your your appearance maybe had shocked some people initially and then i also want to get into that idea about the different boxes that you've had to check and some of the that so like how how were people Mm -hmm. your neighbors in dalhousie when they saw a latin black woman pulling up where did people ever say anything was there ever any kind of palatable discomfort or was it all open arms from start to it was all
1: open arms my husband is a white man and he's from here so everybody knows already that he has a black wife (laughs) (laughs) before we moved right now do i find do i find people stare at when especially when i first moved here that you know yes but also i know it's a small community so everybody knows everybody so I think a lot of times even people would stare because they knew that this was owned by somebody else. All of a sudden, there's a different car and this woman outside, right? So yes, there's of course, there's always going to be somebody who looks at you and they're not sure or they just stare because, you know, whatever reason. Did I have any kind of discomfort? No, zero, zero. I think also I'm very comfortable being who I am and looking yes. how I look. So I, I think the fact that I, hmm, let me see how I say this, that I walk around like I just belong, because I do, it makes it a little comfortable for people. I don't walk around in head chills. I don't walk around, you know, wondering if people looking at me. Well, you should look at me because I dress for people to look at me. I I I present myself for people to look at me. I expect people to look at me. Right? I think you know what I mean. Like I'm not shying away from anything or anybody. So that that to me and I'm used to it because when I moved to Canada, I did have that. I was, you know, I think in Saint John, I was the only third black person in the school, and I was the second immigrant in the school. So I got used to that, you know. So then, of course, moving to that house, there's people who do, you know, who stare. at what's not sure, you know, if she knew who who she married to, you know, what's your connection with the town. Because a lot of times, even last names, you know, they ask, "Oh, what's your last name?" My last name is da 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 and. And, and they're oh, okay so you're married to this family so that's really i find what it is it is very white but we also have a native uh reserve uh, really close to us so you know so that's that and um but i i never i had i had a situation a few days ago um where somebody was actually racist and i put him on his place but that's another story. But that in 23 years, that was my first experience. So it was even... that's almost in, worse. <laughs> never. Like, I don't like know? that it's in happening now.
0: Years,
1: my <laughs> my yeah, God. My first time. Mm-hmm, my first time. And it wasn't I'm from sorry. an elderly person. It was somebody in their early 50s. You know what I mean? So a lot of times we think, well, you know, older people. No. I'm telling you, after it happened, I... Posted a video expressing what happened to me. You should see mm-hmm. the amount of messages of random people that I don't know saying I'm with you and I support you. People seeing me in the community saying good on you. That is unacceptable.
0: Yeah. So I
1: haven't. I I had had a, a even it's an extremely white population, and there is also a differences. There's a lot of French and there's a lot mm-hmm. of English. So it's like a a separation of languages. We have the native yes. community as well. I, I I don't have, other than that, and it just happened, I never had this uncomfortable feeling. You know, if anything, people are very interested in, in um, you know, why I'm here, you know, yeah. do you like it? Can What can we do to make you feel more comfortable? That's the kind of thing I have received. My neighbors, actually my first day at home i received a basket from the neighbor right beside me the lady across the street brought me a little snowman for christmas and with the name of their children on it and um the lady from two homes app brought me uh, eggnog made from home so wow.
0: <laughs>
1: that was what? my
0: welcome to the to the neighborhood I think i gotta move to the neighborhood (laughs) like tell me who this one racist person is to avoid and i think i'm on my way because i mean that's uh, that's i got nothing
1: business owner and he was a business owner and he just he just came off to the wrong person right like he chose me and i was not the one so now (laughs) there's many people many people that are no longer he has a business for over 30 years who who are never going back. I'm talking hundreds of people. My my messages are flawed. If I showed you, you would be, yes. So, you know.
0: I mean, I definitely it's relate to yeah I relate to like the you pick the wrong one energy yes. I'm definitely and I'm also always trying to be seen as well so I get you on all of those fronts that that yes. but I'm still like I'm so sorry that you after this much time there have experienced it yes. at all it would have been nice to have never um and so I'm well. I'm so sorry
1: You know, thank you. But at the same time, I honestly, it was, it goes back to what we said. If you don't live struggles, then you never learn. And then you have nothing to go for. Mm -hmm. For me, I see this. I saw this as an opportunity. This was God or this was my ancestors. They needed me to be in that position in order to show the rest of the community, what kind of person is running a business in our community. right? Right. So that was my opportunity more than anything. So and you know, I'm Absolutely. just I'm just letting those things come and I'm just the situation appears and then you just got to go through it, right? So I went through it and I and I'm great. He's not, but I'm I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> I can sleep at night
0: as and as you should um <laughs> um i will start start to wrap up in our last like couple minutes here but i do um I, yeah i wanted to touch on a little bit of that like latin versus black because i think the more that i think about it yes, for sorry. me no it's okay yes. and uh, like in my perception cuz and i talked about this two episodes ago that a woman a black woman from i want to say saint lucia one of the islands looked at me and told me I wasn't black, she told me I was white, because I came out of my white mother. And as a biracial person, if I slept with a white person, that baby would be white. And so I believe that if society were to look at me, they would be like black woman of color. And I think that if they looked at you, and they didn't necessarily hear you speak just based on the tone of your melanin, they would say black woman. And yes. so when you start to get into those particularities about Latin versus black versus melanin mm-hmm. versus sometimes I like the boxes. And then sometimes it's yes. like, we're all just humans. Why all the stupid boxes? Um, right. Yes. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Right. For, I, I'm curious for you. Like, do you, do you find that there's like. Uh, an identity struggle with that? Is it just frustrating? Do you want to just be able to claim both? Like, how how does that work for for you? Well, I should be able to claim
1: both because, okay, Cuba is Latin American, Mm -hmm. but I'm above the equator. (laughs) So the sun is close to my country. Apparently, based on the history they have taught us, there was slavery from Nigeria, and they were taken to my country, right? My ancestor was taken to my country and they were black. My ma- my grandmother is a black woman. I my hair is right now, it just happens to be, but my I'm I'm black. And I just happen to be Latin. I just happen to speak Spanish. So I'm um, Afro-Latina. I think it's crazy that we even have to have a box of Latina versus you know. Uh, black or yes sometimes I like the boxes because I I am very proud of who I am but when I'm applying for something that matters a lot and you're saying you're Latina or you're black you're saying that, that you must be saying something I just don't know exactly what you're trying to imply with those two boxes and that's I think that's where the part that bothers me the most because there are many Latin Americans who are black, even though that's one that what they put on TV. We not not all look like Jennifer Lopez. That's that's not a fact. You know, like that's the truth though. That's the truth. Because I remember when I came to St. John, it was the same idea. I went to a, a doctor, and I don't know why I was we were having this conversation. I'd be lying if I if I told you. And I said, I'm black. Oh there was something in the pamphlet, and you had to choose. And said, I'm black. And he said, ha, ha, ha. I was like, no, I'm
0: not.
1: I'm black. He thought I was being funny. Right? I thought it was being funny. I went to school and people were like, oh, I didn't know there were black people in Cuba. Right? So that happens. The same thing with Colombia. There is a huge population of black people in Colombia. But what do you see on TV? What most people perceive is the Latina looking, um, um, which is fine, too, because we are diverse. Cuba, specif- yeah. specifically, because I can only talk about you know what I live, we have all colors and mm-hmm. all shades. And even those that claim to be white are not, <laughs> yeah. right? So to have that separation and then not being part of something because I put Latina, then it makes me it makes me like I'm like I'm separating myself from my grandmother and my lips and my nose and my hair. Right. That's, that's where I'm at just because I speak a Latin language. It doesn't take away from the fact that I am a very proud black woman.
0: Um, It's, It's taken until recently, I think for people to understand that like black does not synonymously mean Africa and also that Africa does not synonymously mean black. And I have told the story several times, right? I am guilty for watching the Olympics one year, hearing them say South Africa and seeing white people and looking at my mom and being like, they're wrong. What do you mean? And my mother being like, what are they teaching you at school? And I'm like, that Africans are black and that they have little Afros and that yes. they're darker than the night. Yes. And my mother was like, well, we've got to talk about apartheid. <laughs> but well, that's that, Toronto. that's the thing. Yes. In Toronto, I
1: remember going to a club and I heard this guy talking, Jamaican accent. Right? Turn around, blue eyes, blonde hair. I was like, excuse me, sir? <laughs> yeah. You cannot make that accent. This is not funny. It's like, I'm not making nothing, man. <laughs> this is me. But that's just the information and the education and everything in between, right? So I'm just glad, as I said, that I didn't have to take a box that is very self-explanatory. And when I look at myself, I always put this as an example. Like, if we had a truck, hopefully we never have that truck, but if there were two trucks and they would put white people and Black people in a truck, they're not going to put me on the white truck.
0: Let's just be honest. exactly.
1: Right? So it's that. And, you know, and at the same time, yes, I don't like the boxes because in a perfect world, who cares? I'm human. Maybe Mm -hmm. we should be worried about that part, who's human and who's not. (laughs) No, exactly.
0: I think to your point, like, there's been a few times where, like, obviously, when it comes down to grants and opportunities, and I can understand when we're trying to increase the diversity quota, but then also sometimes it's like, you're separating all of the diversity and like we've had this conversation several times where it's like yes. you're finally recognizing people of color but you've been recognizing white people for so long that we all deserve the accolades for this entire time and so Ooh. it gets really spotty when you start to talk about those things I think we talked about it on the episode in regards to the Oscars and people feeling like Angela Bassett had been snubbed yeah. for her Oscar because a white woman won. And if you look yeah. at history, sure, I'm sure a black woman should have won in that category long before this one nomination, but should Angela right. have won in this instance? And that's right. where the boxes sometimes help. They sometimes hurt. I do think that more often than not, like I think that we're, we're just going to get to a point where the boxes aren't going to work because there's been people on our show who are white-looking with Black moms who speak yep. other languages. I yes. don't look like I'm Acadian. Like, and yep. then when you get into all the other intersectionalities of, like, sexual orientation, uh, gender fluidity, like, yes. at some point we're just skin suit blobs trying to be happy. Yes. And I don't yes. know why we need all the categories, unless you want to give me money, Canadian Council of the Arts, and then I'm whatever you want me to be today. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> like, that's my right. right. So... It, that's that's exactly it and yes. like you said I don't think those boxes are going to be here much longer to be completely honest and because the same thing like my, my children my, you know some people ask one of them what are you because you look native right and they're like yeah. oh well my mom is Cuban well so your yeah, mom is like Latina it's like, and then my son has to go well yes she's Latina but you know she's black Right. And then you see another one of my kids who happens to look exactly like me, like he's me, hair, everything. And he doesn't have to explain much. Right. right. He just happened to be very fair, lighter skin. Right. Yes. So, but then he has his, his dreads. Uh, and, and they have, if they feel like they have to be explaining to people, oh, so that's your mom. But it just, it would be wonderful if we just got it, you know, that we understood that you know, that in, in Cuba there were there were black people, probably mm-hmm. natives of Cuba, not necessarily yeah. taking from Africa, but you're from a place where there is sun. Most likely there were people that looked like me, not only native. Right. Most, right. Likely. And, Most likely. And and that, that's what it is. And that we just happened to speak a Latin language because Spain at some point was, you know,
0: yes in Cuba
1: and so on. But it, it would be wonderful. It's history. That's it, it's, right? Like, if we just go based on that history, that would, you know, that will give you a little bit of an explanation why I look the way I do. I'm sorry.
0: Amazing, perfect, <laughs> bro. I'm gonna stop yes. us here. We are right on time. D, thank you okay. so much for coming on Black Atlantic. No, thank um, you so much for and, having me. Of course. Um. So I will put all of the links in your description. Once Havana Lounge yes. opens, let us know. We will definitely share all of the stuff you've got going on there, and we will try to make a trek oh, and visit. Um. I, I am here on all social medias. Clinton, who's not here, is Clinton Davis underscore. Um. D, thank you so much. My pleasure, dear. Talk to you soon.